Hello, welcome back. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Spencer Pollack, cybersecurity attorney from Niles Barton Wilmer. Glad to have you back for the cyber law revolution. Still fired up, still passionate, still looking forward to talking about this important topic. We got a lot of good questions, comments, criticisms, and I want you to keep sending them in. You know, call me at 443-381-3586 or email me at sspollock, that's P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K, at nilesbarton.com. One of the biggest criticisms, though, I got was uh, a belief that we're not at war and that I was being a little bit too extreme. I'm sorry, but I do believe we are at war. I I wish I didn't. I wish I hadn't come to that conclusion. But I came to that conclusion by looking at our current environment, looking at what we're seeing in the news, looking at what's happening to companies and people that are impacted by data breaches and hackers. I mean, I'm not going to do those deep dive again as I did last time, but really, when you start hearing about Iran, China, Russia, North Korea attacking our elections, when the FBI is sending out a notice to hospitals saying they've got a reliable information of a credible threat from hackers that are going to attack their systems, that's war. I don't know how else to define it, right? But let's get back to how we can deal with it and how the government's dealing with it. You know, the government's obviously probably launching covert things that we don't know about to protect us. But the things we know about that they do is that they pass laws. So a brief history of why we have laws. We have laws because when we see a threat that's going to cause harm, we want to protect ourselves. You know, we want to protect ourselves. How we do that is we pass a rule saying, look, if you do X, we're going to punish you with Y. And the baseline of it makes sense, right? Because we don't want bad behavior and we don't want people getting hurt. And the government's going to take steps to try to protect people. And the law in America has been basically pretty uniform when it comes to uh, common aspects, say, like tort. Negligence has been the same. You know, if you go to different states, negligence definition is probably pretty similar. The definition of murder, definition of breach of contract. These are easy to kind of follow and easy to keep compliant with because it stayed the same. You know, lawyers love consistency and precedent. You know, when I say precedent, I mean settled law, because then we know what to tell clients. The problem with cyber is that it is moving so fast. It's moving so fast in both the threats and then the law that's responding. But that also makes sense why it's moving fast, because think about it. Hackers are evolving at such a rapid pace. So how do we counter that? How does the government counter that? They update their law. You know, they see these new threats, so they change their law to make sure companies and organizations are better protecting us. But just let me tell you, it's, it's frustrating, and it's a complex process. And don't get me wrong, I love doing it. I love those deep dives. I love educating myself about it. But for an average person, it is daunting. You know, to give you an example, from 2014 to 2019, 38 states added new or amended cyber laws, data breach laws. Many of them did it multiple times. But the government doesn't show up at your organization or company, knock on the door and say, hey, look, we changed the law. You got a couple months to get compliant. Here's how you get compliant. No, they just pass it, and they expect you to comply. Ignorance is not an excuse of the law. So where does this start getting complex, right? Where do we start seeing those uniqueness of the law? Every law has different definitions when it comes to data breaches. 
to give you a general idea, there is no uniform definition of sensitive information. All right? Sensitive information varies by law. Some laws say, okay, first and last name plus social security number and health information. Others say, well, we don't, we're not putting health information in there. So, but we want social security numbers and you know what? We want biometric data included. Some others say, well, we don't care about biometric data, but we care about routing numbers and account numbers for banks. So you get the gist. Every law is going to be different. Every law has different triggering words that create different compliance obligations. And I can already hear people out there saying, well, no, Spencer, this doesn't apply to me. You know, cyber laws don't apply to me. I'm not a tech company. I'm not Facebook. I'm not Google. Uh, I'm pretty localized into one place. And even if they do apply to me, my cyber company is keeping me compliant. I want a huge red light going off and going off loudly. And the one thing, if you're going to take away from this today, the one takeaway is I want you to remember, if you have one employee and, or one client, there is at least one cyber law that applies to you. That's why you really should care about this. Remember, so one employee or one client, I guarantee you at least one cyber law applies, right? Because I guarantee you, you have at least some personal information that's going to implicate one of these laws. So the next question is, okay, well, without having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, how do we figure this out? How do we get in compliance? The first thing I tell clients is, okay, let's figure out where, well, I'm sorry. The first thing I tell clients is what information are you taking in and why? Do you have social security numbers? Yes, because most likely you have a W-2 for your employees. Do you have health information? Uh, do you have people maybe emailing you with their first and last names, explaining, you know, medical conditions? Do you have bank account numbers, so on and so forth? Because then we can start crafting at that point what laws are most likely going to apply to you. The next thing we look at is what industry you're in. Healthcare is different than finance, finance different than professional services, so on and so forth. And then finally, it's determining where your past and current employees and clients live. But wait, wait, why does it matter if, you're no, if someone's not employed with you anymore or is no longer your client or customer? Well, if you still have their information and there's a breach, the law then applies to you. So it's getting a general idea of where these individuals live. And there's no way to do it concisely without spending a lot of money because obviously your past and current employees could have different addresses, uh, moved or whatnot, but you can get a general idea of how far you're spread out to how many laws might apply. And then finally, I encourage people to start looking at these laws, you know, involve internal legal counsel, external legal counsel to figure out how you need to get in compliance at a bare minimum. When you're done listening to this, go Google Connecticut data breach law, Maryland data breach law, Maryland personally identifiable information, Florida personally identifiable, identifiable information, and you'll start seeing they literally will list what they include as sensitive information. So that gives you a better idea of what applies. But then the next question is, well, if the law is moving this quickly and changing as much as you're saying, how do we keep in compliance? I want you to think about, we go to our doctor once a year, we see our dentist twice a year, and we bring our car into the mechanic probably once a year. Why do we do this? We want to make sure we're healthy, we don't want our teeth to fall out, and we don't want our car to break down. 
These are reasonable steps to protect ourselves. It's the same thing with keeping up with cyber law. I look at it as an annual review, right? Annual review of what laws we already know apply to you because we've done a deep dive and then figure out if there's new steps you need to take to get in compliance. So this serves as a couple different roles. One, obviously it keeps you in compliance. Two, if anything should happen, you can then go to your clients and employees and government and say, look, we took reasonable steps. We tried to continue to be in compliance. We didn't just put our heads in the sand. And finally, it's gonna change your culture. It's gonna institute best practices to better protect information that you have. And it's gonna become easier. You know, the more you do it, the quicker you're gonna be about it, the more educated you're gonna be, and the easier it's gonna be, easier it becomes. But we're gonna do a deeper dive in this moving forward. I don't wanna bore you today with too much legal, uh, specific legal stuff, but we will talk about it moving forward. Keep those questions, comments, criticisms coming. Call us 443-381-3586 or email me sspollock, that's P-O-L-L-O-C-K at nilesbarton.com. Once again, I'm Spencer Pollock, cybersecurity attorney at Niles Barton and Wilmer. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Have a safe day, have a good day and stay safe.